Hello and welcome to QUT News, Views and Spews. I'm Susan Heatherington and with me in the Spews studio today we have... Miff Holton. And Michael Scully. Yes, we do. Now, today there's a few interesting things from the, the sublime to the ridiculous on the um, on our radar. We're going to start with the story that everyone is talking about this morning. I saw this guy from the Korea Mail website at one minute past 12 or so last night and went, hmm, there might be a little bit of chat about that yeah. in the morning. And that is um, our year four student, um, nine-year-old Harper Nielsen, who goes to Kenmore South. South State School, who is making a principled decision to not stand for the national anthem um, and has copped a detention at school as a result. Now, Harper's problem is that um, the anthem in its, in its second line says that we should rejoice for we are young and free. And the word young in particular just conveniently forgets thousands of years of Indigenous history. So um, she's right, but is she also right? Um, what What do we think, Miff? Um, uh, look, I think to a certain degree, I think she is kind of right. I don't know whether to calling a nine-year-old girl right or wrong. I think this has raised an important issue. Um, and I think because she's a young person and this is slightly outrageous um lots of people are going to see it rather than um kind of like a socialist going off about um we need to change this so i think it, i think it can be positive um in a way of kind of invoking change um but yeah coming from a nine-year-old girl is pretty kind of outrageous <laughs> yeah what do we think mark Oh no! I it uh, these issues of these questions about national identity keep coming up again and again, and uh, I think Miff may be right that uh, a nine-year-old questioning the authority of the national anthem certainly puts it in the public dialogue. And the question now is: Do we need to review, or does it, do the Australian people need to review the content of their national anthem? Yeah, look, I, I think that that is a very legitimate question and one that we absolutely should be asking. Um, but I always feel a little bit uncomfortable about adults, um, and I'm going to use my bunny ears, enforcing their views on their children. Yeah. Now, th this kid is obviously very bright. Yeah. Um, this child is obviously, at least in her own mind, coming to this position of her own free will. And I love the fact that they're having important questions at home, that, that they are sitting around the dinner table and, and discussing things like what's in our, our anthem and um, what does it mean and what is it within your power to do. But also there is things about respect. There are things about following rules. Um, there are things about if you're part of an organisation, we don't necessarily like everything that that organisation represents, but there are times and places and ways in which you, uh, times where you have to basically put up or, 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 you know, put up with it. That's the rules. Um, and at nine, the degree to which you're allowed to say, I don't agree with those rules is, I think, quite problematic. Um, I just hope that if nothing else, that the debate keeps it nice because she is nine. Um, That's a problem, yeah. That there is so much hate 
um, in the world and I don't think nine-year-olds who are making um, principled decisions, mm. uh, whether or not I doubt their, their, their capacity to, to do that. Yeah, there was a, a, a story recently that about the trade union official that had um, their children holding placards with um, obscene words on it. And, you know, using your children as pawns in a game is not a thing to do. Um, and the, the same thing with Serena in her, in her big fat dummy spit where she said, I'm a mother. Yeah. Now, I, I, what does that have to do with it? You know, really, that is, is bringing the child into an argument that's about a, a line call. Yeah. Um, kind, of, kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, good on Harper. But at the same time, mm, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But it is an important question because, like it or not, we're not young, and um, free, I guess, is is questionable. But you know, as lots of people say, the second verse is even more problematic. How can we say that the Commonwealth of ours is renowned of all the lands for those who come across the sea with boundless plains to share? Yeah. How how can we when we um, have border control regulations <laughs> of the nature yeah. that that we have? Um, yeah, okay, we rarely if ever sing the second verse, but it's there. Um, and, and, and that actually brings us quite nicely to the question of border force and the border force chief, former border force chief and the, um, the fight that he is having with our, uh, with Peter Dutton. What do we make of parliamentary privilege? Or would you like to briefly explain the issue to us first, Miff, and then we'll talk about, um, what we think about it. Um, so parliamentary privilege, um, from what I know, is being able to kind of voice your own opinion, um, nasty or nice, um, in parliament without um, having any consequences. Um, so you wouldn't have to be sued for defamation. Yeah, we have a- we have absolute privilege um, in in Australia to say. Anything defamatory or not on the floor of Parliament, which mm. get, therefore gets the um, the term the coward's castle that you can you know you can go in there and uh, say things that you're not prepared to say outside. Also, obviously, law courts. I mean, everything, yeah. pretty much everything that's said on, in a law court. If you say someone steals, uh, murders, mm. f- defrauds, whatever, all of those things that are defamatory, people will think less of you. But you know, clearly, in a court, you you need the protection. And as journalists, we have relative protection as long as it's fair and accurate to report those things. So inside the parliament, you could basically spout off about anybody without repercussion? Correct. Anything about anybody without repercussion. Um, And yesterday, Peter Dutton attacked the former Australian Border Force Commissioner saying um, that he'd been sacked, that he was discredited. And then he used the phrase... He was a man who had groomed a girl 30 years younger than himself for sex. Um, Now, the thing, this this was not a girl. This was a woman, a consenting adult. Um, Girl has a particular legal meaning. Uh, Groomed has a particular common understanding meaning, which is what we talk about 
pedophiles doing um, to minors on the internet. That they they offer them things and they and and they they groom them. And you can't tell me for a second that that word was not used and that phrase was not used deliberately. Mm. Um, that outside the parliament, it would clearly be defamatory. Um, and it's score settling. Yeah. It, it is absolutely score settling. Yeah, I. Uh, this is definitely a low blow, um, and I think it was a bit, it was a bit yucky of Peter Dutton to use the language he did. Um, but I feel like yeah, it's definitely him trying to swipe back at everyone because he's been in the spotlight for the past couple of weeks now, and I think he's kind of getting fed up with it, and he wants to kind of fight back now, and probably not in the most like constructive way um, <laughs> moving forward on his part. I heard an analyst on ABC suggest that Peter Dutton got very close to being the prime minister and uh, now people are taking aim at him because they want to, he's under assault because they don't want that to happen. Um, and it's an interesting tit for tat, I could say that, right? Yes, you um, can. Going on, he's fighting back now, but clearly he's taking the gloves off, as they say. He is, and I, I, I think that, look, there, there are people that have never been Dutton fans, and um, we, and I'm prepared to say we, we are all waving our flags going, see, this is, this is the kind of behaviour that is definitely not what you would want of your Prime Minister. Um, but, you know, maybe he wouldn't have behaved like that, and maybe this is... is punch but you're quite right it is a low blow mm. you would you would have that as a as a punch in the privates just quietly <laughs> and on a even in a boxing ring that kind of behavior would not be allowed uh, what do you do about it though mm. because in parliament people do need to raise contentious right. and difficult yeah. issues yeah mm. so i don't know well in the state of florida they they they, the, the conservatives said you couldn't use the terms climate change or global warming in debates about climate change and global warming. So if you limit speech in that environment, it's hard to have open debate about important issues. So I get the idea that the arena is sort of the ultimate place for free speech, but sometimes the boundaries can be pressed. Yeah, and I, I do know that there have been instances where um, members of the press have handed politicians information and asked them to read it so that it goes on to Hansard so that they can then report it. Yeah. Um, and there have been instances where action has been taken against that sort of behaviour. And I think that it is that, yes... Um, Actions should have consequences, and in this case, other than the court of public opinion, not so much, which is, is difficult. I, I, I don't know. I feel like this is a problem that has kind of arisen out of the bubble of politics in Canberra, and unfortunately, um, yeah, Peter Dutton is now um, on every news channel, um, yeah. you know, being criticised for it. Um, and I think a lot of people don't fully understand it, um, like myself included. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, he's paying the price for what he's what he said. So you're saying that in fact that there are there may not be re legal repercussions, but there are other repercussions. So it has a way of evening out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. My my concern is that um, 
that this is very that becomes very one-sided. Only one party in this dispute has the ability to go into Parliament yeah. and make those claims. And uh, if nothing else, there should be a right of reply with exactly the same protections to to make it even. Sounds fair. Yeah. Now we're going to end up with with something that is probably the biggest issue of today, honestly. Okay. Even though it's about a dwarf, a dwarf planet, in fact. But Pluto apparently could have been wronged. Pluto the dog? No, 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 no. The planet. (laughs) Twelve years ago, the um, Pluto was downgraded to a a dwarf planet. The International Astronomical Union, the IAU, um, and they get to decide. They get to decide if a planet is a a planet. Mm. And they said, no, Pluto, not a planet. Um, Too small. Too small. (laughs) And and that threw my life into chaos because, Uh you know, up until that point, my very easy memory jingle seems useful naming planets mm-hmm. does not work with my very easy memory jingle seems useful naming. Yeah. Naming, no, no. <laughs> and all of those star signs we've been following, you know, then Saturn is... skew, mm, yeah. yeah. I, I, and, you know, clearly I get up and, and only dress according to what my horoscope tells me right. in, in the morning. <laughs> but now there has been a dispute and um, the university of Central Florida, that a paper that has come out and said that, in fact, um, they were wrong, that the definition was wrong because it, it talks about planetary science and makes an assumption that is wrong, which is that in order to be a planet, you have to orbit the sun, be round or nearly round, okay. and clear your neighbourhood. So you kind of got to be a bit of a the bully in the um, sure. in the in the universe that you have to be able to clear out all of the space junk and other rocks in your path around the sun, and the astronomical union said Pluto doesn't do that, mm. and therefore sorry no planet just mm. a, just a dwarf planet. Um, others are saying where did that rule come from? Yeah. We don't know that rule. Um, um, Pluto was robbed, and they want. Pluto to get its place back. Wow. Miff, how are we feeling about this? <laughs> um, I feel like it's not really a question of should Pluto be a planet or not. It's always just like what is the criteria for a planet? Um, that's that keeps on changing um, of scientific opinions. Um, I don't really know uh, much about planets, so I'm not entirely sure. I would like Pluto to be a planet because. I don't know. That's what I've... That's what you were taught. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of comforting. I'm inclusive, like all planets, yeah. And but... size. You know, size doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we teach, teach our kids that it doesn't matter, and then suddenly if you're a planet, it matters. Yeah. That's not That's not a thing. Do you have share my affection for Pluto, or I am do. I just being I, ridiculous? Know, I had a friend whose son insisted on having a Save Pluto T-shirt. Excellent. Though, um, which he wore quite a bit. And it... Um, we were. I think the tradition was we were taught that Pluto was one of the original nine, but mm. um, and then suddenly there were eight, and yeah. we lost Pluto. And uh, it's kind of nice to see that maybe it's back in the family. Yeah, we we like. There's a comfort in knowing um, that some things are unchangeable, and the planets I- is one mm. of them. If we can't have faith in the planets, you know what what is left? What is left? Um, so that's our, our spews for today. Thank you, Miff. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Susan. We will be back tomorrow with a little bit more spewing. Good morning. <laughs>